Revelation chapter 8, and this morning we are going to resume our study of the book of Revelation by looking at chapters 8 and 9, the whole of both chapters, Revelation 8 and 9. And so we will begin the reading in Revelation chapter 8 with verse 1. And before we hear God's word, let's join our hearts together once again in prayer. O Lord, our God, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures which are breathed out by you and therefore profitable for us. We thank you, O God, for the administration of your word through which you create faith in the hearts of unbelievers and you nurture and perfect the faith of believers. We pray, O God, this morning that you would give us your spirit that our hearts may be opened to receive your word in faith and in love to lay your words up in our hearts and practice them in our lives to the praise of your glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 8 and beginning in verse 1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake." Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. When I looked, and I heard an angel crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets, that the three angels are about to blow. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone." 
And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have, as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They were breastplates, the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. This is the word of God. The seven trumpets are warnings. They warn the inhabitants of the earth that the day of the Lord is at hand, and they call us to repentance in preparation for that day. Now, one Old Testament passage that forms the background of the seven trumpets is Joel chapter 2. In Joel 2 verse 1, we read the following, "'Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain.'" Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. And the day of the Lord is a terrifying day. It is a day of darkness and gloom because it is the final judgment on all humanity. The trumpets sound the alarm before the dreadful day of the Lord to call us to repentance before we stand before the judgment seat of God. When the last of the seven trumpets is blown, Christ will appear as the judge. Paul tells us that the last trumpet brings about the resurrection of the dead and the final judgment. Paul says, and this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. The seventh trumpet in the apocalypse is that last trumpet. When that trumpet is blown, Christ will appear and will gather all the saints into heaven. 
Paul says, and this is 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. There again, that's the last trumpet. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now again, that will happen at the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet. By the time the seventh trumpet sounds, it will be too late to repent. But the first six trumpets are warnings, sounding the alarm that the dreadful day of the Lord is coming and calling us to repentance in preparation for that day, in preparation for the final judgment. And repentance is the only way we may be prepared for the final judgment. The destruction brought about by the first six trumpets is not total but partial. Only one-third of the earth, the sea, the rivers, streams, sky, and humanity are destroyed by them. That fraction, one-third, symbolizes God's restraint. Though the judgments are terrible, they are not universal. There are survivors, unlike the seven bowl judgments, in which there will be no survivors, as we will see when we get there later in Revelation. And so the trumpet judgments are limited. They are limited and restrained because of God's mercy. And they are designed to lead the inhabitants of the earth to repentance that they may survive the ultimate judgment which comes on the day of the Lord. Because the judgments are limited, they reveal not only God's wrath, but His mercy and patience and forbearance which are meant to lead us to repentance. The seven trumpets are sounded by the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. They stand before him in his heavenly temple. Now, these seven angels form a special group of angels called elsewhere in the Bible archangels. The names of at least two of these seven angels are revealed in Holy Scripture, Michael and Gabriel. Michael, the archangel, is mentioned by name in the books of Daniel, Jude, and Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, just a few chapters later. And Gabriel, the archangel, is also mentioned by name in the books of Daniel and Luke. In Luke, Gabriel said to Zechariah, the father of John the forerunner, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. Now, Revelation 8 refers to quote, the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. They form a definite group of angels, the seven archangels. Now, one thing to note here about these seven angels is the connection with the battle of Jericho, which I mentioned briefly previously. When Joshua led Israel into the promised land, God had them march around the city wall of Jericho for seven days. And seven priests were given seven trumpets to sound as they marched before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which was part of God's chariot, part of God's throne chariot. His throne is mobile. It is also His chariot. The seven archangels with seven trumpets in heaven are the heavenly counterparts to the seven priests with the seven trumpets at Jericho. In the seven trumpet judgments of Revelation 8 and 9, the battle of Jericho is being played out on a cosmic scale. That's what we need to recognize here. The battle of Jericho 
is now being played out on a cosmic scale. And like the ancient city of Jericho, which blocked the entry of Israel into the promised land, Babylon the Great, which is the name given to the wicked city of man in the apocalypse, must fall before the church can receive the new Jerusalem as our permanent inheritance and homeland. And so the battle of Jericho was a type. It was a type that prefigured the seven trumpets of the apocalypse. Like the trumpets used in the battle of Jericho, these trumpets here in Revelation 8 and 9 lead to the fall of the worldly city, Babylon. The seven trumpets fall uh, into two groups. The first four trumpets form a group, and the last three form a group, and are referred to as the three woes. With the first four trumpets, the cosmos, the world is, is afflicted, but humanity is not directly attacked. With the last three trumpets, however, they are. Humanity is directly attacked. Now let's look again at the first four trumpets. Look at verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth, notice the limitation, the restraint in God's judgment, only a third. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. And one thing you'll notice here with this trumpet judgment and the ones that follow is that the trumpet judgments resemble the ten plagues of Egypt in the book of Exodus. When God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, he brought them out and brought them into the promised land. He sent plagues on the land of Egypt, ten plagues in all. And the trumpet judgments here resemble the plagues of Egypt. In the seventh plague on Egypt, hail and fire, that is lightning, fell on the land of Egypt. The trumpet judgments, we might say, are the worldwide version of the plagues of Egypt. The plagues of Egypt, just like the Battle of Jericho, the plagues of Egypt are also a type that prefigure the seven trumpets. So you've got to think about the Old Testament background in order to understand what's going on in the book of Revelation. You have the exodus, you have the deliverance of the people of God, the plagues on Egypt, you have the Battle of Jericho. That's part of the background uh, of the seven trumpets in Revelation. The idea here is that the trumpet judgments are the worldwide version of the plagues of Egypt. And why is God bringing about this worldwide version of the plagues of Egypt? Well, he's bringing about the final, the ultimate exodus, a greater exodus, the ultimate exodus, the final exodus. In verse 8, the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, so water into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, this one obviously resembles the first plague on Egypt, where water was turned into blood. The burning mountain thrown into the sea is not a meteor. It is, according to Jeremiah chapter 51, Babylon. Babylon is thrown into the sea as a burning mountain. And so this symbolizes the fall of Babylon. That's what the seven trumpets are all about, the fall of Babylon. Verse 10, the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on, a, and on the springs of water. So here we've got rivers and springs of water, fresh water, not the sea, but drinking water. 
The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Wormwood is simply an extremely bitter plant. That's what Wormwood is. The point here is that the water has become undrinkable. Indeed, it has become toxic and deadly. And finally, the fourth angel, verse 12, the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, a third of the stars. Notice the third over and over again, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the night might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Now, this judgment echoes another one of the plagues of Egypt, the ninth plague, in which darkness covered the land of Egypt for three days. So again, with the trumpets, you have the plagues of Egypt being played out on a cosmic scale. This is the worldwide version of the plagues of Egypt because God is accomplishing by means of these trumpets the ultimate, the final exodus in which his people will be delivered from the realm of slavery, the realm of sin and death, and brought into the promised land, the heavenly abiding city. Now, there are two things to remember about these judgments here, the first four, which we've already looked at, and the two, which we're about to look at in a minute. Two things to remember about these judgments. First, they are symbolical, not literal. They're symbolical, not literal. And second, they do not predict events that will occur one time in history. Now, that's a mistake a lot of people make. They make both of these mistakes, actually. Uh, They want to interpret these things literally, and they also want to look for uh, a fulfillment, a one-time occurrence in history, an event in history that fulfills these prophecies as if these trumpets were only about something that would occur once in history. They're not. They do not predict events that will occur one time in history, but rather they uh, describe the state of affairs throughout the entire tribulation period. And the tribulation period extends from the first coming of Christ to the second coming of Christ. And so what we have here is depicted in these trumpet judgments is the state of affairs that will obtain during the tribulation period. And the purpose of this state of affairs brought about by God's sovereign plan to bring down the fall of Babylon and to bring his people into the new Jerusalem. The purpose of this particular state of affairs is to warn the inhabitants of the earth of the coming day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is coming. And to call them to repentance, to prepare for the final judgment. Now, verse 13 is a transition between the first four trumpets, which form a group, and the the last three trumpets, which form a group. Verse 13 is an announcement that warns us that worse disasters are to follow. Now, verse 13 says, Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So here you've got the last three trumpets. Again, they form a group known as the three woes. Now, unlike the first four trumpets, in these, the last three trumpets, humanity is directly attacked by demons. Now, this announcement warns us that even worse disasters are about to follow. Your worst nightmares are about to become a reality. And this is the stuff of horror movies and nightmares for sure. Now, look at chapter 9, verse 1. 
And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit, that is, the abyss, the bottomless pit. Now, this fallen star is Satan. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 makes that clear, and that is, provides the background of the image we see here. The abyss, or the bottomless pit, is the place where evil spirits are held in prison until the final judgment. It's not the lake of fire, but it is a temporary place of confinement. That's what the bottomless pit is. It's the abyss. It's a temporary place of confinement until the final judgment when Satan and all of his followers will be ultimately, consummately judged and thrown into the lake of fire. The key was given to Satan uh, to open the shaft of the bottomless pit, meaning he was given permission to release uh, this demonic army. In verse 2, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. Again, Joel uh, chapter 2 forms the background of this image here. From the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree which is what ordinary locusts would do. They would harm vegetation. But only those people, only those people who do not have the seal of God on their, on their foreheads, these are no ordinary locusts. They are, in fact, demons who are depicted as in the form of locusts and other creatures. They have characteristics that belong to other uh, other creatures. And so this is, this is a demonic army that has been released from uh, the bottomless pit, the abyss, by Satan. He knows his time is short. He's been thrown down from heaven, and he unleashes his uh, attacks upon the people of God on the earth, and he even uh, punishes his own people, as we see here in verse 4. These, uh, these demonic locusts are not permitted to harm those who have the seal of God on their foreheads. That's the people of God. Remember back in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 7, 144,000 were sealed with the seal of God on their foreheads. That's the church, symbolically depicted as the reconstituted 12-tribe kingdom of Israel, a perfected, consummate 12-tribe kingdom of Israel. They are sealed with the seal of God on their foreheads. That is, they are given the Holy Spirit and the name of God written on their foreheads to protect them from the wrath of God. And here they are protected from these demonic a locust. And so Satan inflicts this torment on his own, on his own followers. Verse 5 says they were allowed to torment them, those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. This is how Satan treats his own. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment is like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. Death would be preferred to the torture that is inflicted by these demons. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Death will flee from them. Now, in appearance, verse 7, we are told, and here's where you want to, get, want to be very, very cautious, uh, not to think or interpret this text literally, And it is amazing to me how those who insist on a literal interpretation of the book of Revelation somehow end up, when they read this passage, with tanks and helicopters and flamethrowers or whatever, or some other sort of nonsense. In verse 7, 
In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron protecting them. The noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them. The angel of the bottomless pit, now here's this same fallen star, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, which means destroyer, and in Greek he is called Apollyon, which is the Greek uh, version of the same word, destroyer. Apollyon, which of course is related to Apollo, uh, the god, the false god worshipped by the Greeks. And Domitian, who was the emperor at this time, identified himself as an incarnation of Apollo, and I do think that that's uh, important to keep in mind when understanding how these demons are afflicting torture on people, they're doing so through the beast. They're doing so through uh, the false rulers or the rulers who rule under the authority of the beast. Now, Abaddon and Apollyon, of course, are other names uh, for Satan. Verse 12, the first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. That is, uh, the next two trumpets, trumpets six and seven. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. This is the altar that stands before the throne of God in his heavenly temple, saying to the sixth, sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, the Euphrates River was the easternmost border of the Roman Empire. And on the other side of the Euphrates River was an army that was greatly feared by the Romans, the Parthians, who had a a tremendously large army and cavalry. Uh, They had archers uh, who would ride horses and who can shoot in front of them and behind them and so on. They were feared greatly, even by the Romans, who had a great and powerful army. So the great river Euphrates formed that border that separated the Parthians from the Romans. And so uh, this would have been their greatest political fear, their greatest military threat at the time. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000, 200 million. This is an enormous, large, larger than any army that has ever existed. Again, this is, not, uh, this is not a human army. This is the army of hell. This is the army of Satan that is being unleashed in preparation for the ultimate battle, which Revelation describes as the battle of Armageddon. Verse 17, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the sulfur, and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Now, Those are the six trumpets. Verse 20 tells us and makes it clear that the purpose of these trumpets, which are sounding the alarm, warning of the impending day of judgment, the day of the Lord, the purpose of these trumpet judgments, which are limited, only a third is is effective, and restrained, 
revealing not only the wrath of God, but also his patience, his forbearance, his mercy. The purpose of these trumpet judgments is to lead the inhabitants of the earth to repentance. Verse 20, the rest of mankind, that is the survivors, those who were not killed by these plagues, however, did not repent of the works of their hands. So, again, we have the story of the Exodus being played out on a cosmic scale. Think back of the ten plagues on the land of Egypt. What was the purpose of the plagues that God sent to, on the Egyptians? It was to lead them to repentance so that they would let the Israelites go. But each time we are told that Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the Israelites go over and over again. He hardened his heart. He refused to obey the voice of the Lord. He refused to repent. And here, once again, you see the hardness of heart in humanity, those who do not worship Christ, those who do not serve God, but who serve the devil, the beast, the false prophet. They harden their hearts, even after all of these judgments that extend span the time of the great tribulation, and they refuse to repent of the works of their hands, nor giving up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear, alluding to passages in the Old Testament which talks about uh, which talks about images created by the hands of men, idols which cannot see. They have eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. They have feet but they cannot walk. And those who worship them become like them. Now, the chief problem with these unrepentant inhabitants of the earth here is that they worship false gods. That is their chief problem. The other sins that they're guilty of, listed in verse 21, nor did they repent of their murders or sorceries or their their sexual immorality or their thefts, and all other sins flow from that. We become like what we worship. And if we worship demons, then we become like demons, and that's what false gods are. To worship, to worship a demon is to have fellowship and communion with the demon and to become like him, to acquire his nature, to acquire the nature of the devil. And so their worship is what causes them to be murderers and sexual, sexually immoral and thefts and so on. It is the worship of these false gods that leads them into all kinds of immorality. And so, beloved, what this passage does for us is it warns us that the day of the Lord is coming. It warns us that we are going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and it calls us to repent of our sins and to live righteously and pursue holiness. And the only way that we can do that, it reveals to us the key to doing that, is to worship the true and living God. If we worship Him, we have communion and fellowship with Him, and it is in that communion and fellowship that we have with God that we acquire His nature, and we become like Him. We become like what we worship. And so the trumpets, while on the one hand they are alarms, warning of the coming judgment, they also summon us to worship God. They call us to repentance. They call us to assemble before him in worship that we may become like him.